Good morning. Glad I got a chance to spend some time with you today going through the book of Revelation. We get to Revelation chapter 2, and we're looking at the second church uh, that the Lord wrote to, the church at Smyrna. We're going to go through this verse by verse, and I'm going to just read and explain as we go uh, what the lesson was of what the Lord wanted to tell the church at Smyrna. Now, this is an amazing church. Because when you look at this church, you look at it from the outside, you see one thing. But when you look at it uh, from the Lord's point of view, you see something totally different. Um, So verse 8, unto the angel of the church in Smyrna write, these things saith the first and the last, which was dead and is alive. Now notice this, who is the first and last? Alpha and Omega. Jesus Christ is Alpha and Omega. He died on the cross of Calvary, yet he is alive. He arose the third day. He is given the name, this is the resurrected Lord, and I am writing to the church. Now notice the next verse. I know thy works in tribulation and poverty, but thou art rich. He says, I know what you're doing. I know the difficulties that you've gone through, the tribulations that you have endured, the, the persecutions you've endured. I see your poverty. But you are rich. Now, when we stop and we look at this, we need to understand that the way the world looks at a person versus the way the Lord looks at a person. The world looks at on the outside, and yet the Lord sees the heart, the intents, the motives of the person. And so when he looked at the church, he says, I know you're worse. I know what you're doing for me. I know you've gone through uh, tribulation, persecution. You don't have a lot in poverty, yet you have given of yourself. You are rich. Then he goes on and says, I know the blasphemy of them which say they are Jews and are not, but are the synagogue of Satan. Those that have lied against the church and done things against the church. The Lord knows their heart. He knows their motives. And he says they are the synagogue of Satan. He says, fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison, that ye may be tried, and you shall have tribulation ten days. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee the crown of life. Now, one of the early church fathers, early church bishops, was Polycarp. You ought to read about his life and his testimony. Now, he was martyred for his faith in Smyrna. He, he was burned at the stake. Now, when we see this, they suffered persecution, some of them sown into prison, others were martyred for their faith. He says, but I'm going to give you a crown of life because you have overcome. He says, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. He that overcometh shall not be heard of the second death. Now, what is the second death? Well, uh, the Bible explains the second death in Revelation um, chapter 20. In verse 14, and death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And then Revelation 21, verse 8, but the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone. This is the second death. The second death is when those uh, who have rejected the Lord and um, or have been thrown into the lake of fire 
We know this happens in Revelation chapter 20 and chapter 21. He says, those that overcome will have no part in that. Why? Because they're going to be with Christ for all eternity. Notice the church. What does he say about the church? You're rich, yet you're going to endure persecution. Peter writes about this in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 6, wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, you are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith be much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen ye love, in whom though now ye see him not, yet believing ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. Notice the church at Smyrna. Notice what he said. He says, fear none of those things that thou shalt suffer. He said, don't fear. Some of y'all going to be thrown into prison. You're going to be tried. Some are going to be faithful all the way into death. He says, but I'm going to give you a crown of life. Everything about the church at Smyrna was good. The Lord did not condemn them for anything. He didn't say one negative thing about the church at Smyrna. Even though the world looked at them and spoke against them, lied about them, said they were poverty-stricken, yet the Lord looked at them and said they're rich. They're rich in their faith. They're rich in their love for him. And he says, you're going to endure persecution, but I'm going to give you a crown of life. What a great testimony for the church at Smyrna. What a great testimony. May we be faithful, even during times of persecution. Remember, there be those times will pass, but we'll spend an eternity with Christ. In Revelation chapter 2 and verse 12, he goes on to speak to the church at Pergamos. Look at verse 12. And the, to the angel of the church in Pergamos, right, these things saith he which hath the sharp sword with two edges. Ah, the one that is speaking has the sharp sword with two edges. Now, what is the sharp sword with two edges? Well, the Bible defines this too. In Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12, for the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is the discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. It is the word of God that cuts, that divides. And he says, I am the word of God. Now notice what he writes about the church. I know thy works and where thou dwellest, even where Satan's seat is. And thou holdest fast my name and hast not denied my faith. Even in those days when Antipas was my faithful martyr who was slain among you where Satan dwelleth. Now, look at this. He is saying that the church at Pergamos dwells where Satan dwells. The, the, the church was located where Satan dwells. Now, we know that uh, Satan was a created being that failed, that rebelled against God. He can only be in one place at one time because he is a created being. And so he said that at this time, at Pergamos, that's where Satan dwells. That's where his seat, the seat of his power that he worked out of. 
And Antipas was a faithful martyr. The church was persecuted. He says, I know your works. I know what you're doing. You kept my name. You've held fast. You haven't denied the Lord Jesus Christ. And so he commends them. But notice down to the next verse. But I have a few things against thee. Because thou hast there them that hold the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balak to cast a stumbling block before the children of Israel, to eat things sacrificed unto idols, and to commit fornication. Now, what do we see about this? We see that the church allowed two groups, two groups in that uh, were false teachers. Look at the next verse. So has thou also them that hold to the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which thing I hate. Now, what do we see in this? That the church had compromised and they had allowed false teachers and false teachings to be tolerated within the church. Now, they had not taken these and put them out of the church, but they allowed them to stay in the church and to teach in the church. He says both of these groups were stumbling block. They caused others to sin because of their false teaching. Now, when you look at, go back up and look at this verse again. Before the children, to eat things sacrificed unto idols and to commit fornication. So the teachings caused them to go, the people to go into sin within the church. So what's the issue here? Well, I think it's a twofold issue that happened at the church. They compromised, and because of the compromise, I believe it's because of one, because of two different things. One, spiritual discernment. They needed that spiritual discernment in order to recognize the false teaching. They needed that spiritual discernment in order to recognize that what they were teaching was contrary to the Word of God. Spiritual discernment comes from the Word of God. That's why it talks about over in, I believe, Hebrews chapter 5, that we need to desire uh, the sincere milk of the word that we need to feed on the meat of the word so that we can discern between what is right and what is wrong, what is good and what is evil. And it's by getting into God's word. The church needed that spiritual discernment to recognize that what these people are teaching is false. And along with that spiritual discernment, the second thing they needed was a spiritual backbone. And what I mean by a spiritual backbone is the strength to put these people out of the church and not allow them to teach in the church. And so today what we see is we need spiritual discernment and we need spiritual backbone to remove anything from the church that is not teaching the whole word of God. I know a good friend of mine. He's gone home to be with the Lord. His name was Calvin Seals. He was in my church when I was in, um, uh, in Lower Alabama. And as I was there, and, and he was telling me what had happened, well, others was telling me what had happened uh, years before I became the pastor of that church. I pastored that church for 23 years. And before that, they were having a man that came into the church and that started teaching false doctrine in the church, and he was getting a little following behind him, and he was teaching things contrary to the Word of God. One Sunday morning, Brother Seals stood in the doorway of the church, and when that man approached the church, Brother Seals told him that he was not allowing the church anymore and was not allowed to teach in the church because what he was teaching was contrary to the Word of God. 
The man tried to go by, and Brother Seals wouldn't let him into the church, and he put him out of the church. And several people left the church because of that. But Brother Seals had the spiritual discernment and the spiritual strength to stand in the doorway and said, we will not allow this in our church. And that's what we need today. Men who are spiritually strong, discernment, men and women who have that spiritual discernment and the spiritual strength to stand against false teaching. Notice what the Lord says here. He said, I got somewhat against you because you have allowed it to stay in the church. Notice what he says. Which thing I hate. He said, put them out of the church. Now, what's at stake? Eternity for people. Because they can, they can, these false teachers leading them down the wrong path and will lead them into an eternity without Christ. We must stand strong. We must have spiritual discernment. Notice what the Lord says, repent or else. I will come unto thee quickly and fight against them with the sword of my mouth. How does he fight? With the word of God. It is the sword, the word of God. We need to be in the word of God. Now notice the next verse. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit said unto the churches. To him that overcometh I will give to eat of the hidden manna and will give him a white stone and the stone a new name written which no man knoweth saving he that receiveth it. Now notice it. Notice the things, three things that the Lord is going to do to them that overcome. Number one, he's going to give hidden manna, that spiritual food that nourishes the soul, that nourishes the spirit. Fellowship. He's going to bring them in for fellowship. Notice the second thing, a white stone. Now, the white stone was a signal of approval. The Roman custom was you use, they used polished stones for voting. A black stone represented disapproval or a vote against. A white stone represented approval or a vote for and so when he says, I'm going to give you a white stone, it's a symbol of the approval and the favor of God. And then he says, I'm going to give you a new name, a new relationship, a new hope in the Lord. Notice that. Those that overcome are going to have time of fellowship because with the Lord because he has approved them. He's going to give them a new name, a new relationship, a new hope. So what does the church at Pergamos teach us? It teaches us how much the church needs to be in the Word of God, studying the Word of God, so that when you're studying the Word of God, you can recognize that which is wrong. You can recognize false doctrines and false teachers. The teaching of the church must be in accordance to the Word of God and it alone. So we see here how necessary it is for the church to teach solid biblical teaching. And if you have a good Bible teacher at your church, you need to pray for them, you need to uphold them, and you need to thank God for them, that they are rightly dividing the word of truth. Let's stand firm on the word of God.